0: Hello, my friends. I I have some questions about Justin Trudeau's gun ban. I think he's already banned those guns so many times. There's not a lot more banning he can do. So some of it's BS, but I I looked at a bill called Bill C-5 that he just introduced in Parliament that says sort of the opposite of what he said in his gun ban speech. I'm a little confused, uh, but uh, I'll lay it out and I'll read to you from the bill at length and I'll show you what Trudeau said and you can try and make sense of it. By the way, I want to invite you to get the video version of this podcast. It's called Rebel News Plus. I do it every day. I actually film it with video in mind. I think it adds a lot, especially when I show clips or show documents. It's just 8 bucks a month. You get my show every day. Plus, we have four weekly shows. So that's 36 shows a month just for 8 bucks. And you know what? We rely on that because we don't take any money from Trudeau. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. All right, here's today's podcast. tonight why is trudeau re-restricting handguns that have already been restricted i have two theories it's may 31st and this is the ezra levant show Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. There was a terrible mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas last week. Here's our reporter Juan Mendoza Diaz covering it. This is Juan Mendoza reporting for Rebel News. On Thursday, May
1: 26, the people of Ovalde, Texas gathered at the town square to commemorate and honor the victims of the Robb Elementary shooting, which took the lives of 21 people, 19 of which were children. We went on the ground to speak with many of the people that were there.
0: That in the midst of darkness, your truth always prevails. And so, God, we know that this world is a fallen world where hatred, Lord God, and envy and rejection, Father, always just reigns in the heart of man. We know that this is an issue of the heart of man. And we know, Lord God, that this is an issue, Father, of evilness, Father. But today, as we stand in this place and in the city, in the core of the city, we just release your peace, Father, over the city. And we ask, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, that you turn our hearts back to you, Father, because we believe that this nation of America, we need revival. And more than ever, we need you, God, because in times like this, you are a present help. In times of this, Lord God, you are an anchor. In times of this, you are the... The only one God that can bring hope and peace to our hearts, peace that surpasses all understanding. On Tuesday,
1: May 24th at 1128, suspect just west of here wrecks his vehicle, pickup truck that he took from his grandmother. He had just shot his grandmother in the face. She's alive, she's stable at this point. 1128, he's sitting there at the partage. He jumps out the passenger side of the truck. According to witnesses, he's got a long arm, rifle, and a badge. Later, we find out it's ammunition. He walks around, he sees two witnesses at the funeral home across the street from where he rent. He engages and fires towards them. He continues walking. He continues walking towards the school. He climbs a fence. Now he's in the parking lot shooting
2: at the school multiple times. Hold your child or children very tight. And pay close attention to them. I think parenting is a sacred act. And if you do not take it that way, and learn from this even, learn from this traumatic experience that not only parents are affected by it, but the entire cities, the entire state, entire country, all the world is affected by this. And it hurts everyone. But if you as a parent are complacent with your children, as to knowing what's going on in their life, then maybe step it up a little bit. You know, ask your kids questions. How was school today? How are you feeling? Um, If there's anything new in their life. Asking these little simple questions can prevent a child or a teenager from bringing a gun to a school. Espero también que la comunidad
1: está bien, bien unida aquí porque se están apoyando todos. Yo estaba ayer en el vigilia y pues la la comunidad estaba ahí unida, ahí listos para apoyarse cada uno. Los sí. sacerdotes ahí me estaban diciendo, estaban ahí apoyando a quien quieran, estaban dando de comida a la gente así, mm-hmm. no más ayudándole para que. Sí. Pues, yeah.
2: Pero.
0: Este, y, y como digo, verdad, yo me enteré de todo esto por mi nietecita. Este, pero cuando mi nuera me habló que me dijo que había un shooter en la
3: escuela. Este, yo pensaba que luego luego lo iban a agarrar y nunca pensé en mi vida que iba a pasar una tragedia así. Este, y, y luego nos hablaron que podíamos recoger la niña, eran como dos horas y media después.
0: Y pues nos a mi esposa levantarla y sí, estaba asustadía. I'm not sure if you know Juan. He is our newest reporter. He covers things in Texas, including the illegal border crossing. He's going to Miami to head up our new Florida Bureau. I think Ron DeSantis is the most interesting politician in America right now. And not just Americans, but Canadians and people around the whole world are fascinated by that place. It's a beacon on how to fight against lockdownism, but also many other political plagues, from woke corporations like Disney to critical race theory in schools to big tech censorship. So we'll see more of Juan in the months ahead. And by the way, he does his reports in both English and also in Spanish, because there's a growing generation of pro-freedom Latinos in America who reject the whole philosophy of the left. I'm excited by that. It's a small project, but it's a good one. But back to Uvalde and the atrocity there, a terrible, horrific story. A mass murderer, yes, but shockingly, police, when they arrived, they refused to go in. They waited outside. They didn't try and break down the door. They didn't didn't go in to save the children. They literally said they were worried about being shot.
1: Officers are there. The initial officers, they received gunfire. They don't make entry initially because of the gunfire they're receiving. But we have officers calling for additional resources. Everybody that's in the area. Tactical teams. We need equipment. We need specialty equipment. We need body armor. We need precision riflemen. Negotiators. So during that time that they're making those calls to bring in help.
0: Yeah, that's like a fireman saying he won't go into a house because it's on fire pretty much defeats the purpose of a fireman a cop who would let children be massacred because he's a coward and won't go in is inexcusable the entire chain of command needs to be fired there was a mom who showed up and wanted the police to go in and the police police instead handcuffed her when they took the cuffs off her she actually ran in and rescued her children What an atrocious event. They say, let the police help us. The police will rescue you. You don't need guns. The cops have them. Well, the police not only did nothing, they restrained parents from helping their own children. But that tragedy and the horrific crime and the mass murder is political gold for leftists. I have to say, some leftists really care about kids, but but a lot. I don't think they really do, I'm sorry to say that. Um, they locked down schools and forced children to wear masks, against all signs. They still do this in New York City, for example. I don't think the left really cares about kids. They use that as a tool for things. I mean, these are people who often believe in abortion on demand for any reason or no reason until the moment of birth, and believe it or not, some leftists believe in abortion after the moment of birth. I don't think they care about these kids in Uvalde in particular, some of them obviously do, but a lot of them just know it's a great crisis to be used to disarm all citizens. I don't have any firearms myself, but I respect those who do, and there is no farmer or hunter who does these atrocities. No member of the NRA has ever committed a, an atrocity like this. It, it's criminals who do, it's, it's gangs, it's unstable people, They won't be deterred by any paperwork or any more laws. If you're willing to murder children, you're probably willing to violate some paperwork law to get your hands on some guns. So Joe Biden is looking to capitalize on this, of course. He has to change the channel from his disastrous leadership. He's an American. Gun control is a big issue there. Their Second Amendment, their Constitution lets Americans have guns, and many do. And the summer of riots in 2020 by the Democrats' street gangs, whether it was Antifa or Black Lives Matter, well, after that, many Americans chose to protect themselves. They wouldn't rely on police. Now, here in Canada, it's not so much. And there are pluses and minuses to our lack of the same gun culture, but we already have very strict gun control in Canada. It's almost impossible to legally buy a handgun in Canada They have been heavily regulated since 1934. Did you know that? Trudeau already announced that he intended to ban up to 1,500 different kinds of assault rifles. I I don't really think there are 1,500 kinds. Trudeau was just trying to say something impressive to uneducated journalists. I don't think there's a definition of an assault rifle. I mean, what, what does that mean? something scary, maybe something black. I think that's black and maybe plastic parts. But again, Trudeau is largely re-announcing what he's announced before. Not being able to sell or transfer a handgun is a violation of property rights, of course. But again, it's a kind of media trick. Today, you can't just sell or give your handgun to anyone. They have to be licensed too. I'm not saying there is nothing new here. And I'm barely more educated than a regular journalist who knows literally nothing about guns. I'm just saying a lot of Trudeau is just photo ops and puffery. So here's what he said yesterday. We're introducing
4: legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer or import handguns. Anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years. And we're acting on their advice. I also want to thank the advocates, many of whom are here today for your tireless efforts. I know that for too many of you, Greece, grief and loss are at the root of the work that you do. I want to recognize that, and on behalf of all Canadians, I want to thank
0: you for your strength. Merci. So, rifles now can only have five bullets in a magazine can you tell me the last time a hunting rifle was used in a mass shooting has it ever happened by the way or or in a bank heist or or some gang war is it common to have a long rifle you know these gangs in their cars eh, trying to get their rifle. Is it, does that happen a lot i don't think so in fact i don't know if it's ever happened but trudeau hates farmers and ranchers and anyone rural who might have such a rifle Uh, This is a slap in their face. He he hated them even before he discovered how much he hates truckers. Now, Trudeau says he's going to increase penalties for certain gun crimes. Now, I got a one-question IQ test for you. Do you believe him? I mean, do you really think he'd increase criminal penalties for anything uh, other than being a trucker who peacefully protested against him? When he says he'll increase penalties, well, he says that, but I think he's a bit of a liar because there is a bill in Parliament right now where he says he will do the opposite. It's called Bill C-6. You can find it online. Let me read to you the official government press release announcing it with a bit of background about it just from just a few months ago. Uh, This background is called Bill C-5, mandatory minimum penalties to be repealed. So you might remember that Stephen Harper brought in mandatory minimum sentences for a variety of serious crimes, including a lot of gun crimes. Trudeau is keeping just a few of those for murder, for using guns in a gang. Okay, good. But for almost everything else, he is literally reducing the prison sentences. He's reducing them, including, as you can see, let's just go through this list. Using a firearm or imitation firearm in commission of an offense. Two different offenses. Possession of a firearm or weapon, knowing its possession is unauthorized. Possession of prohibited or restrictive firearm with ammunition. Oh, I thought he said he was cracking down on handguns, but now he's reducing the penalties. Possession of weapon obtained by commission of an offense. So stealing a gun. Weapons trafficking. I thought he said he was cracking down on smuggling. Possession for purpose of weapons trafficking. This is exactly what he just claimed he wants to get tough on. He's reducing the sentences. Importing or exporting, knowing it is unauthorized. He just said he was gonna crack down on it. Bill five reduces the penalties. Discharging firearm with intent. Discharging firearm, recklessness robbery with a firearm, you're reducing mandatory minimum sentences on that. Extortion with a firearm, selling of tobacco products and raw leaf tobacco. It's got nothing to do with guns, but most of them do. So you're really, really mad at gun crime. You're super mad, so mad. You're gonna reduce the uh, sentences of pretty much every gun crime you could think of, except murder. But those farmers and ranchers, they can only have five bullets in a magazine. That's the real problem. Now, that's a trap, of course. If you're a farmer, you've probably had a rifle in your family since you were a kid. Maybe you inherited it from your dad. Maybe that's a rifle, seriously, that your dad brought back from World War II or World War I. There's probably some farms and ranches. It's not rare to have firearms almost 100 years old. You probably have a magazine for that gun that holds, I don't know, more than five bullets. And you might have even forgotten about it. Or you just can't get around to buying a new magazine because Justin Trudeau said so. So you've just been turned into a criminal because Trudeau changed some paperwork from six bullets to five bullets. You've been lawful your whole life. You've never used the gun for anything other than, I don't know, shooting at the odd coyote coming to menace your farm. But Trudeau said a piece of property you have is now enough to turn you into a criminal. Might have even forgotten about it. But now you are a gun criminal. So real gun criminals can go free faster. That's what Bill C-5 is about. Farmers and ranchers have now been criminalized. All because Trudeau saw some news in Uvalde, Texas that he knew he could exploit. He's standing on those dead bodies as he makes his political move. You know, there's a pattern here. I tweeted about it yesterday. I read to you what I said. I said, suspend civil liberties, seize bank accounts of opponents, censor the internet, ban air and rail travel for the unvaccinated, put 99% of journalists on the government payroll, install obedient crony as head of RCMP, disarm the public. Hmm. He really is his hero, like his hero, Fidel Castro, isn't he? I mean, look, what, what are two of these, and that's just bad public policy, but you look at it all. There's a theme to this. None of this is what Canadians are wanting or asking for. None of, none of this shows up even in opinion polls, even by liberal pollsters. Canadians are worried about inf- inflation, about the price of gas, about the price of homes in the big cities, about crime, about the economy. Millions of us are still second-class citizens. Our civil liberties flattened because we're unvaccinated, and this These are the things Trudeau focuses on. He's not governing in our own interests. He's governing in his own interests. He's not our servant. He seeks to be our master. I really think Canada is becoming less free. Trudeau really meant it when he said he admires China, not for its culture or language or history, but for its violent dictatorship.
3: The level
4: of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China, um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime, and say we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar.
0: Yeah, he really is like Castro, isn't he? Stay with us for more. completely
4: by before we're going to start the process where every vehicle in the united states military every vehicle is going to be climate friendly every vehicle we're going to have a no i mean it we're spending
0: billions of dollars to do it and uh and it's going to matter Did you hear that? Well, that'll terrify him in Beijing and (laughs) Moscow. Imagine thinking that the purpose of the military was anything other than the destruction of rival militaries and the projection of force. The United States is the most powerful military in the world, but could they actually win a battle with the People's Liberation Army? I'm not so sure it would go as well as it might have even five years ago. Imagine, announcing that you're going to have electric vehicles, and that's just... But it wasn't just a gaffe. I mean, Joe Biden says goofy things, and who knows if he even means them. Half the time, his own staff walks him back. But this, our news today, is the Secretary of the Navy, Carlos del Toro, published a climate action plan called Climate Action 2030. It is a 32-page report. That's not a gaffe. That's not a accident or a hiccup that is a thoughtful decision saying that global warming is an existential threat to the united states i don't believe that but even if it was what on earth does that have to do with the navy and its job of sinking other boats joining us now from the washington dc area is our friend mark morano in a lovely chapeau mark great to see you again You know, there's photographs of hurricanes and floods and electric vehicles here. Um, You know, topics of the report (laughs) include climate informed decision making, integrating climate in the budget process, electrification of ground vehicles and hybrid propulsion for Navy ships. I think they've lost the plot here, Mark.
3: (laughs) This is this is just tragic, sad horrendous if you actually care about national security threats beginning in about 1990 there's actually a chart in the 32 page report from the navy department it shows the navy started paying what you'd call uh you know uh, lip service or uh you know uh uh, value value whatever that's called lip service to the climate agenda they started talking about you know sustainable fleets and electric a couple things electric but under joe biden it has now become, as the report states, the focal point of the Secretary of Navy's enti- Secretary Del Toro's entire purpose in, the, uh, in his tenure as Secretary. It is incredible. And you go through, you look at some of what the Undersecretary uh, has said in this report. You know, they're, they're going on and they're talking about to remain the world's dominant force, we must adapt to climate change and reduce the threat. Their mission is fighting climate change. It's no longer going after rogue regimes, bad guys, defending the shores of the United States, whatever in our national interest. It's actually fighting this nebulous concept of climate change. I don't know how to say it, and it's, it's, it's an incredible. Same day report came out, we have, by the way, the lowest hurricanes ever recorded in all the database in the last year. And this is also just at a time when we're facing the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine and all of our military threats there. But somehow we're pivoting back to climate change. And the State Department goes along with this. The Army goes along with this. They have their own reports on climate. uh, But the Navy may get the award for the most all-in on climate, making it the focal point of the focus of their whole department.
0: Yeah, you know... um I think that electric cars are a curiosity, they're a luxury for people who want a virtue signal. I'm fascinated by Elon Musk and I and I try and cheer for the guy, especially his anti-woke comments lately. But um, regular people don't buy Teslas, not just because they're expensive, but because they don't really work that well. Um, You have to charge them all the time. They would never work in the frozen Canadian North, for example. It's still a rather experimental technology. And I'm not as against it as I think I once was. But the idea that turning the Navy into an electric Navy is a goal in itself, that that is what and that you're fighting not other navies, but you're fighting climate change as if you could just launch a missile at climate change and stop it. This really feels like a like a bad term paper at a woke (laughs) Ivy League college. This does not seem like it's a serious document designed to win wars.
3: Yeah, it's a great it's and it's exactly what's happening, not just in our Navy and in our Army and Pentagon, but also in corporate America and sporting. Why does the NBA have to comment on a a police shooting? Why does Disney have to comment, you know, on uh, trans issues? It's because they have now taken it upon themselves to push a progressive agenda. But it's 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 almost funny when you're dealing with a company doing it, but it's scary when you look at a, a United States arm of our military literally going all in and saying, it's the existential threat, it's the focal point of our mission. Um, and again, it's gonna have real consequences. They're talking about electric vehicles, electric uh, battle battleships and all other sorts of amphibious assault ships. And the question is, is this really doable or are they just talking about one or two that they can have for PR photo ops? Well, I think that's more likely, but it's going to be a big diversion of time, energy, manpower, strategy, because as they're focusing on all climate and virtue signaling, they're not actually looking at real threats out there. And that's what's so unbelievable. I mean, all of these people should be disqualified immediately by calling climate change greatest existential threat. And we're going to make it our focal point. And the opposite, Ezra, when you look at the actual data, Center for Strategic International Studies, cooler periods have brought the most conflict, the most wars. That is the part you worry about if you're going through. When we have warm times like the medieval climate optimum, warm times like today, they're called optimums because that's when you have huge agricultural output, peace, plenty. When you have cold times, you have scarcity, droughts, famines which lead to conflict and war so the navy our military has it ass backwards sorry to use such a crass term but they have it completely reversed cooler times is when you'd worry about a military threat from any climate not yeah. the war.
0: but but even then the climate is the background to your job in the navy shoot other boats shoot down planes yeah. be an aircraft carrier whatever like i i disagree with the navy that that global warming is an existential threat. I think the globe has warmed and cooled over the millennium. As you point out, the warmer times have been better times in the history of mankind. Uh, as our friend um, Patrick Moore points out, yeah. look at the warmer parts of the world, like the equator teems with life. The biggest cities in the world are near the equator. The more you go to the poles, the colder it is, the less there is different species and the smaller the cities. You don't have 20 million person cities in the Arctic because life is difficult
3: when it's cold. People like warmth, they migrate to warmth.
0: But yeah. let me say this, even if they were right, which they are not, even if global warming were an existential threat, what's that got to do with the Navy? That might have something to do with, um, I don't know, I, I mean, the, the left has a bunch of pretend solutions from carbon taxes to solar panels, whatever, that purport to be solutions to a problem that I'm skeptical exists. But even if it did exist, what does that have to do with your ability to to torpedo another ship to float an aircraft carrier for the Navy to say that's uh, that's their mission? It's got nothing to do with their mission. I I think that it's a kind of sabotage. It reminds me of when the uh, I forget the name of the general was talking about how he's studying critical race theory and he's studying the genuine. Yeah, the the january 6th insurrection i want to understand that like it's i I don't know if it's for pr i don't know if it's undermining i mean the left wing hates the military so maybe if they can't stop it they can undermine it from within i don't know
3: i think you're absolutely that's general milley referring to i yeah general milley thank you and this i think you're exactly right they hate the military and the only way they can make it You know, somewhat acceptable to them is to remake it in their own image. And that's where you mentioned the critical race theory, whether it's trans issues, whether it's now the climate issue. You're exactly right. From a cost benefit analysis, from an actual mission, uh, just look at a Navy mission, even if we face an existential threat from climate change, nothing the Navy is doing or proposing amounts to anything more than virtue signaling for PR efforts. So the idea that they would somehow be fighting climate change, mitigating it on some level, is laughable, unscientific nonsense. But yet they do it because they have... In their world, and what I mean their world is academia, the media, government, bureaucracy. This stuff matters. If you want a career, this is what you promote. They're all all these Navy secretaries, under secretaries, they're all outdoing themselves for the most outrageous, outlandish, and stupid quote about this climate report right now. If you take a look at Climate Depot, I have all the different quotes from the Navy press release. This is just, you know, this is where we are right now in America. You know, this is our threat. You can't you can't look at there's also a diversion from inflation, debt, high energy prices, supply chain, lack of meat, gas prices, uh, the whole range of issues facing America. They'd love to come out and talk about such nonsense like this at you know, nonstop to get everyone's minds and, and uh, thoughts off of the real issues we're facing.
0: Yeah. You know, until a few years ago, one of the most masculine institutions in America was the NFL, the football league. And then yep. that was undermined with woke critical race theory, Colin Kaepernick, NASCAR, same thing. The police, same thing. It's If you can't destroy these institutions or defund the police, for example, maybe you can undermine them within. The military, I think, is their latest and biggest uh, target. I mean, the demand that every serving uh, military personnel be vaccinated whether or not they've recovered and have yeah. natural immunity and they're being drummed out. I think that's a way to attack the military, to take out any individual thinkers. Um, I, this is just the latest. I, I don't know. It, it really feels like if I was a leftist trying to destroy the military, I don't think I would approach it head on because people would be wise to it. But if I just infiltrated the same way all these other institutions were infiltrated mission accomplished.
3: It's exactly right. You go back 30 years, Ezra. What did the left progressive say? They railed on big business as the corporate raiders, yeah, as the Wall destruction Street. of little man, Wall Street, well the whole Wall Street project. And what happens now? Silent. Not, now there's not only silence, they're promoting big business to the point where they support policies like lockdowns, which boost Corporate farmer, America yeah. and big tech and cha- and retail chains, but crush the small business because they know now that every corporate board in America cowers and, and bows down to the woke CRT trans climate agenda. And that is what's happening now, expanding, as you're absolutely right, into the military. They know you can't defeat an institution. You need to take it over. They are masters at it. And I have to leave you with the words, I think it was Vivek Ramaswamy who who did the book Woke Inc. And he explains for 40 years after Ronald Reagan, we were on guard from threats at the front door to fight against freedom, democracy, capitalism. But we didn't realize the real threat came in from the back door and it was the merging of the sort of corporate government uh, and ideology, which we're seeing here, of course, backed by China. And now it's extending into our military. So this has happened. Most people aren't, it's, Most people have no clue how it happened. It's, it's actually ingenious of how this happens, how they infiltrate the institutions, take over the boards. We're watching it happen even with groups like Exxon now, where their board is being infiltrated by climate activists, where soon you're going to have companies directly voting and have leadership against their own interests to survive, because that's not what matters anymore. It's the, the woke uh, progressive agenda is all that matters, not a profit.
0: Yeah. I want a quick flashback. This was uh, a senior intelligence uh, uh, official in the Obama administration was asked by Charlie Rose why they didn't take out the ISIS oil truck caravans. I mean, it's a few years ago now. You might recall that ISIS, the Islamic State, they got a lot of their funding from the oil and they would ship it out in these caravans of tanker trucks. And in the end, I think it was the Russians that blew them up. But here's a senior Obama official saying they did not take out these oil caravans, I swear to God, because uh, doing so would increase the carbon footprint. Take a look at this.
4: Attack the funding that they have. Attack uh, the ability to sell the oil. We've seen Attacks on that oil transfer taking place now
2: yep. after Paris yep. that didn't take place right. before Paris. Which is your original question. Right. Which so it this would be doing now. So
5: this is one of the this is one of the collateral damage questions, right? Um, so prior to Paris, there seemed to be a judgment, right? I don't sit in the sitting room, anymore, but there seems to be a, there seemed to have been a judgment that look, we don't want to destroy these oil tankers because that's infrastructure that's going to be necessary to support the people um, when ISIS isn't there anymore. Um, and it's going to create environmental damage. And we didn't go after oil wells, actually hitting oil wells that ISIS controls because we didn't want to do environmental damage mm-hmm. and we didn't want to destroy that infrastructure, right? Um, so we hit oil on trucks. So we're, so now we're hitting oil on trucks, right? And, and maybe you get to the point where you say we have to also hit oil wells. Um, so those are the kind of tough decisions you have to make.
0: Mark, they literally made a tactical decision that they weren't gonna hurt the bad guys because hurting the bad guys would involve fire and burning of carbon. It would also involve burning of the carbon of of the bad guy's bodies. War is quite fiery. War is quite deadly. They literally were gonna spare this financial lifeline to ISIS because they were worried of some puffs of smoke and CO2. That was a real military decision made by Obama. I actually think maybe they mean it. Sir, we have the uh, Leon Yang Chinese aircraft carrier in our sights. Should we fire? No, don't do that. An explosion of that aircraft
3: carrier would be too carbon intensive. Hold your fire. Imagine if we had you know, the, the carbon footprint analysis of the D-Day invasion and how, what if they re- reversed that because it was the same time as the baby sea turtles were laying eggs and we had to hold off. I mean, if you start going down that road of environmental yeah. and climate impact on every military decision, especially in the time of war, you could rewrite history in yeah. terms of conquerors and, uh, and losers, victors and losers.
0: Well, you can't say ready, aim, fire anymore because fire is... Uh, <laughs> you know, combustion and emit CO2. Mark, great to catch up with you. Folks, uh, for all these fascinating and almost too crazy to believe stories, you got to go to climatedepot.com. That's Mark's site. Nice to see you again, my friend.
3: Thank you, Ezra. I appreciate it.
0: All right, there you have it. Mark Morano from climatedepot.com. Stay with us more ahead. Welcome back. JC says, makes you wonder what further measures they want to implement that they foresee prompting this response. You're talking about the emergency drill at the airport. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, You'd think that things would be wrapping up, but they're obviously planning for, like, I could picture this a year ago, but they're doing it now. That tells me bad things are coming. Or maybe that they just want to criminalize and demonize and denormalize The unvaccinated making them tantamount to criminals maybe it's just a pr exercise i don't know but i have low hopes cheryl says uh not surprised at all that the government is so threatened by the element of surprise that the protesters were so successful at trudeau control can't control those kind of protests i don't know i mean i i was there for a few days in ottawa at the height the trucker protests let me say a few things as you know it was completely peaceful no one was charged with any violence the allegation of violence turned out to be a hoax it was someone completely unrelated to the truckers there were no weapons found in any of the trucks in ottawa that was a lie by the globe and mail or toronto star i can't remember which um the emergencies act was trumped up by trudeau no police force asked for it, it was all bs but it wasn't much of an occupation it was a few streets downtown And after a couple of days, there was a clear lane in all of them. Even when I was there, even when I was arriving the Friday night uh, that it really began, most of the streets in downtown Ottawa were closed by police. I remember because I didn't have any food. I was in the hotel. I had to order some delivery and the guy couldn't get, get there because of police, not because of truckers. The truckers shut down a few roads, but the police shut down most of it. So... I think they've tried to build up this occupation, this illegal and unlawful occupation. It wasn't really an occupation. It was some traffic violations. There was no crimes committed. Uh, the worst thing they charged someone with was incitement to mischief. But I don't think there was any mischief charges themselves. The whole thing is a, is a hoaxy narrative. And Ottawa is perfect for that because you have a lot of whiners in the government by nature. Uh, but it's pretty much a lie. They're trying to use that to justify criminal steps, police, spying, even military steps against peaceful opposition. Lossy Five says, with all this mock training about protesters, it is because the government is getting ready to make air travel even more difficult than it already is. Get ready, vaccinated people. I am guessing whatever is coming is going to affect you as well. Just a prediction, but we will see by winter when they try to Locked down again. Well, that's the thing. Maybe they're getting ready for you need a third shot to be vaxxed. Because in Canada, the vaccine rules don't make any sense. I mean, if you're unvaccinated, if you're such a medical risk, why are you allowed to go on a bus for hours and hours? It's not as well ventilated as even a plane. It doesn't make sense. Um, You don't have to get tested to get on a Canadian plane. So you may actually be carrying the virus. We all know that the vaccine doesn't stop you from catching or transmitting the virus. You may have had the vaccine now um, more than a year ago, so its vaccine efficacy has certainly died down. Um, Most of the cases of people getting sick now in Canada are people that are vaccinated, so maybe this was practiced to make a third jab mandatory, and maybe they're waiting till flu season to do it. Possibility. We'll find out. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with our video of the day. Jeremy Lafredo, our New York talent, went to the World Economic Forum and asked delegates if the theme is rebuilding trust. What did they do to lose the trust? Some interesting answers here. We'll see you tomorrow.
5: Jeremy Lafredo for Rebel News. On the third day of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland, this week, The entire resort town of Davos has been entirely transformed into a 3D advertisement for some of the world's most nefarious corporations. Many of the corporations here progress-washing themselves played an integral role in the massive failure which is the global response to COVID-19. Facebook, or Meta, is here taking up an entire block with a museum-like interactive display of their plan for the metaverse. The big tech giant partnered with pharma-funded think tanks and fact-checkers to silence and censor all criticism of government COVID policies which are now generally accepted as harmful or even deadly. Palantir, a controversial data mining firm, also has a giant exhibit here in Davos. Palantir has partnered with intelligence agencies all over the world, including America's CIA and NSA, which often accomplish their political and surveillance goals via extrajudicial means. The firm has garnered criticism for their predictive policing programs that aim to, quote, stop criminals before they commit crimes using advanced AI technology. The same technology is now being used to, quote, stop COVID outbreaks before they happen through a partnership with the CDC. IBM, a tech behemoth that aided Nazi Germany, is not new to controversy. IBM has recently designed the COVID vaccine passports in New York City, which is creating what some critics call a two-tiered society. Accenture, a Fortune 500 information technology company, is a founding partner of the Gates Foundation's ID2020 project, which officially aimed to leverage COVID vaccination campaigns to achieve sprawling biometric digital identity systems. They're also a strategic partner of the World Economic Forum's platform for a good digital identity. The examples go on and on. The theme for this year's Davos meeting is working together to regain trust. The meaning here seems obvious. Do the elites understand that by locking everyone down, by taking everyone's jobs, and by mandating a dubious medical intervention, they lost people's trust?
0: Let's also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate.
5: I asked people here in Davos about this theme and why they believe trust has been lost. The answers point to an ignorance, and in some cases, a downright refusal to acknowledge their failure, despite the loss of trust being front and center in the very theme of this year's gathering. And why do you think trust was lost in the first place? Was it lost? That's what the World Economic Forum titled this year's Davos meeting, working together to regain trust. So obviously they think that trust was lost somehow. Do you think that the citizens should trust the people here down there in that building at the World Economic Forum meeting? I think so, yeah. If we deliver the right message, yes. So it's all about messaging. So you think that the citizens should trust the World Economic Forum? I think so, yes. There you have it. That's from the Gulf International Bank. Trust is not lost. You're, you're at an event where the leaders called the event working together to regain trust, but you're saying that trust was not lost. The trust is never lost. I don't know that trust was lost. Well, then why would you call it regain trust if it was never lost? I didn't call it anything. Thanks. That's what Davos is calling it. Thank you. Why do you think the trust was lost? Uh, um, I'm sorry,
4: I'm running for a meeting, I do to apologize. You're on your way
5: to a meeting. A to a meeting. Okay. So do you think that the global population should, should trust uh, the people here who are at the World Economic Forum? Sometimes it's difficult for them to do so because they feel so far removed from the decision-makers, mm-hmm. the people, uh, the people who sort of move the world. Let me go back a little bit the people in the community move the world And there's a perception that the people i mean Klaus Schwab did say a couple days ago that it was these people you uh, that move the world ooh everyone moves the world we so, should so you just dis- you disagree with that statement with Klaus's statement no, I don't want to disagree with Klaus <laughs> even though that they're saying working together to re- regain trust you're saying that
2: trust was not lost yeah well, all the, all the fuss uh, caused by social media is, of course, one thing, I guess. I, I, I wouldn't blame social media for it. It's how people use it. Mm. But, of course, there could be a way to, to uh, avoid the... Bad, bad causes
4: a uh, trust is a very very hard thing to earn mm. and probably the easiest thing to lose mm. so before you ask people to trust uh, you need to prove your worth and you need to prove your value so before uh, before that we need uh, something concrete coming out of Davos mm. something that will convince people and that remains to be seen